This is the TKW Podcast. That's the Nixwell Podcast for first-time listeners. I'm your host, Mike Cortez. Joining me today, Kyle Maggio, Sean Geddes. I can't believe I'm about to say what I'm about to say. The Knicks have not lost a game since we last spoke, guys. A clean 4-0. A Sunday matinee featuring Zion Williamson's debut. I don't think it could have been scripted any better. R.J. Barrett fouls out with about four minutes to go in the game. Knicks down eight with about two minutes left to go in the game. Derrick Rose stepped up. Reggie Bullock stepped up. And once it went to OT, I feel like everyone on the team just felt like they knew they were going to win. It's a pretty glorious feeling. Sean, me and you worked that game. (laughs) Is there even a best moment to pick out, or is it just all euphoria? Um, I think down the stretch for sure is just all euphoria. Um, I would say the best moment. Oh, this is really early in the podcast to say this, but it would have to be at three minutes when uh <laughs> the substitution was made, and Emmanuel quickly came back on the floor because that's kind of when the run started, and that's when I went from being so disappointed about how we lost this game, and it's funny because with like a minute forty eight on the clock, I think we were down six, and I was watching with my dad, and that's why like this is even a cooler game because I got to watch with my dad. But he was like, you know, it's the Pelicans. Like, they're due to start turning the ball over or something. They don't close games well. And, like, right away, they started turning the ball over. So the defense turned up. But, I mean, you know, the Emmanuel quickly floater uh, that rolled out was painful. So it, it couldn't have all been joy because there was a lot of pain in this. But all that pain went away the moment that Derrick Rose drove and Lonzo Ball looked away for a second. And he fired out the greatest chest pocket pass I've ever seen. And Reggie Bullock knocked down that three. Uh, that that moment was so yeah. That's definitely the moment for me because it was like reminiscent of like that feeling on Easter when Melo beat the Bulls, where like the shot drops and it's just like it's surreal and like you know even though the garden wasn't full, you just know that everybody and you know because we were working the game, everyone's just going nuts. Like we can't believe what we just saw. And like you said, like we all. Derrick Rose blocking the shot going into overtime. Like, I remember after Melo hit the shot, Iman Shumpert blocked Derrick Rose's shot to go into, over, to right. go into overtime so or to win the game. So, you know, it was just all really dope. It was really poetic, and it was a beautiful thing. I, I love the Julius Randle versus Zion Williamson battle part two. Um, I was also really, really excited for Zion's first MSG game. I get excited for those things, especially when, you know, now we have the Zion-RJ factor. Because now it's like that kind of probably means something to him, regardless of the the comments that were made yesterday. Uh, A lot of people, I feel like, have said those, you know, same kind of sentiments. So it didn't mean much to me. But, um, you know, seeing him, like kind of come and, and come ready to battle with Julius. And they, they were really going at it, man. Like, that's the other part. I really like watching that because it was a physical game if you watched them. And it was just funny to watch, you know, both of them still figure out how to be effective against each other because, like, they played each other pretty well. 
defensively, Zion was really up into Julius. He knew, you know, he was going to fade back. He knew, especially on the block, where he was going to go. He, he followed him really well. And, you know, Julius, to his credit, doesn't just overpower anymore. He just finesses you, and he can hit those shots now. So that's what was happening. It was good defense, better offense, and better offense always wins. And, you know, seeing him go right back at Julius the other way, he's still Zion. This is what's going to happen. Um, I thought early they did a good job forcing him to take a lot of mid-range or kind of have to make decision-making in that territory, but he is Zion because he can just put his head down and, and find a way to. But um, yeah, I don't know, it, was, it was a great Julius game to cap off an excellent uh, 4-0 week, uh, an excellent player of the week for, award for him. So that, that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I obviously wish RJ didn't foul out. Uh, Would have liked to hit, have him, you know, got into overtime and, you know, and everything, but it is what it is. Uh, Reggie Bullock, uh, an excellent three, just the, he's been good, man. He, he really has been, uh, he, he knows where to be. He knows where to be. It's an underrated skill, uh, in today's NBA. And he just, he, he makes it rain from anywhere. He's in the corner. He, you know, those little trailing pull-ups that he likes to do, you know, these, these handoff threes he likes to do any which way this season. I feel like I've seen Reggie hit a three and, uh, ready for a big shot. He, he's been confident. He's been healthy. And, he, I mean, he, he nailed it. And, you know, Derek did a great job drawing in the defense. Um, I don't know why you'd help off a three-point yeah. shooter, Lonzo Ball. I, I don't get that. But that that was, to me, really just poor decision-making because why not just let Rose have the two? But I'm not going to complain because, you know, we won the game because of it. So uh, it, it was really a fun game. It was a really fun game. I, I'm looking forward greatly to more of these Zion versus the Knicks games. I just feel like that's going to be a cool thing that we have at least for a, a little yeah, while. I think Zion, I, I get what you're saying, Kyle, about Zion, but he was glowing when he was talking about the guard. He's like, I'm happy you asked me that. And then, like, the biggest <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese smile I've seen when someone's talking about the guard in a very long time. Like, LeBron says it all the time, but he doesn't say it in that manner. And... I don't know. It just felt a little different. It just, it just did. And then Lonzo, I don't really know. It looked like he was just helping his future team out because I think Rose, there was like a, like maybe a second left in the game. If Rose makes that layup and the Knicks didn't have timeout. So either massive brain fart or Lonzo's just over this whole Pelican experience. But Reggie, man, star in his role. That's what Thibodeau was talking about. Even before the game, he was saying this team steps up. In ways where each night someone different is the star. I mean, yesterday you could have picked three or four stars with Randall, like you said, going toe to toe with Zion and coming out victorious. That's huge. Reggie hitting those big shots. And then Derek Rose, 23 points off the bench. And we said it right before this pod, Sean, when we saw Alfred Payton check in, it was not a moment of hope, to say the least. I felt like that was going to be the classic, like, why do you make this substitution? This could have went another way if you did this and that, but it didn't. It just speaks to what kind of mode this team's going in. And Nerland's Noel, man, back-to-back games where he is just spiking the ball, like you're hearing contact, like someone's getting smacked. It's really great to see, and he's just been a godsend since Mitch Robinson's been out, man. Not only is he spiking the ball, but I want to point it out, like, in both of the last two games, the Dallas game and the Pelicans game, Nolan's Noel went to the line at the end of the game and cast two big free throws at huge points in the game. And both times, I'm not gonna, 
I didn't have the most. Fa- I was at, in the Pelicans game. I was like, please give us one. And he went up there and cashed them both. And, you know, we know from the beginning of the season, like, he wasn't doing that the whole time. So to be in big moments and go to the line and knock down big shots, like, that goes a long way for us. And, yeah, to make those plays, I think that we said he had the block. Like, everybody was saying it was a block of the year against Dorian Finney-Smith. And then I think the Brandon Ingram block may have been just as good, if not better. And I think it was with his bruised hand. It was. Like, the guy's just a warrior. Like, I don't know, you know, what more can you ask for? So... That's a beautiful thing. And yet, Kyle, you know, I, you've told me that I was right about a few things. I was killing Reggie earlier in the year. I mean, he, I, I don't think that what I was saying was unjust in the beginning. But I've since been very loud about it. And ever since, he really has been consistent. He's knocking down shots. And he was huge for us that game, even beyond the threes. I love the three. I love the one that Randall kicked out to him in overtime, too, where Randall, like, pump fake, got the defender off his feet, came, had the wide open Mary jumper, and he was like, mm, nah, I kicked out to Reggie, he knocked down a three. But even before that, like, while we were struggling to score, to keep us in the game a little bit. He had, like, two of those mid-range curls. And, you know, he was Reggie was huge yesterday. He's been playing great defense from Luca to Brandon Ingram, whatever, whoever it is. Like, you know, he's going out there and he's taking the number one assignment. And, that you know, there's just so many people to be so thankful of. And even the Derrick Rose thing, Derrick Rose said post-game that he thinks what happened is that Lonzo thought he was going to lay it up and that he was coming to inbound it. And I really think that is what happened. Like, I think Alonzo wanted to go get a quick inbound or something because there's only a couple seconds left. You want to get the ball into a free throw shooter or whatever. So he's just going to that part of it because Derrick Rose really, like, got in the lane and looked like he was about to go up and then just perfect timing. Like, it, you can't you can't coach that. You can't teach that. Like, uh, I, thank you, Tom Thibodeau. Thank, I don't know, man. It's, it's amazing. And, yeah, Julius and Zion going back and forth. It was a treat to see and to see Julius, you know, win the battle. I mean, he's gone back. Uh, he went back to back. We had back to back national televised games to be our fifth and sixth games of our win streak, and they were against the two like darlings of the NBA in Luka Doncic and Zion Williamson. And Julius Randle was the best player, the NBA Player of the Week. So, like, man, what a time! It's great to see the national media finally realize Julius Randle is really good. And now it kind of feels like they're going over the top almost just because I feel like it's the first time seeing him. Like Jeff Van Gundy was gushing during a primetime game on Saturday night about the Knicks and Randall being overall. And he actually put Randall in his MVP conversation. He said, if I had achieved 12 people, Julius Randall's making that 12. So I thought that was pretty spoke volumes to what he's been doing. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I don't, I don't think it's insane for the conversation to be had is kind of the way I've been wording it. Um, I think when you're talking about a guy who's MVP, it's a guy who checks the boxes sort of in every category, not just scoring a defense, but usually it's a guy who rebounds the ball reasonably well. Usually it's a guy who assists the ball in his playmaking pretty well, um, where it's going to pick up enough on the stat sheets. Like normally when you, when you sort of get in that five, six plus range on all those things, along with like, you know, 24, 25 points. That's kind of when the conversation starts to really be had. And it's like that territory of the guys. And if they're playing good defense, even better. If they mean a lot to the, you know, like for Randall in his case, obviously when he stinks, they look awful. Like it's it's been evident in many of the games. He's not going to be good every night, but anytime they've lost, I mean, typically it's a, a an off Randall game to some degree. So, you know, for, for me, I think, I don't know top where, I'm not trying to be ridiculous either, but it's like, yeah, I mean, why, why not? 
well, what else are we really asking? Probably he scores a little bit more, right? You probably that's that's always kind of it. That that the MVP usually scores at a pretty close to thirty range, right? Like twenty seven thirty. So again, I, I don't think he's maybe there, you know, number one or two or you know three, whatever. I don't know how you you do the ranking at the, at that level for him, but I'd say more than top twelve is is what I would say. I would say, I would I would say pressing top five. You know, I think that that's fair. I don't think that's unreasonable. I think if he can get them in the four or five seat, I think that's fair to say. I'm not saying he's got to get many votes. You know, I'm saying like, really, just, just acknowledge it. Just acknowledge how impactful it was. Say a couple of nice things. Go, yeah, you know, tip of the cap. Good job down there this season. I don't, I don't need the award, but just include him is all I ask if they're going to lock in a top seat. That's it. I think that's fair. And he's been going nuts statistically anyway to help his own case. So you got to close strong. You got 15 games here, buddy. Just keep this up. I understand the playoffs are coming up, but you got to get hot at the right time. And they really seem like they might have. So, you know, if there's ever somebody who's going to be making a late case, this this would be it. I don't think I would, he gets it. I don't want to be like over ambitious, but I think top 10 in the MVP is, it should be, that's how it should be. Like if you put pure value, you take him off this team. This is Tankathon All-Star team. Like no they're not doing much of anything without him. So if you're doing pure value, think what Embiid, Curry, Luka maybe, Jokic, like those are the like those are like the only guys I'm really putting ahead of him right now. Yeah, like it it has he's gotta be top ten for sure. I mean He's really done everything. Like like Kyle said, what more can you really ask for from a guy? He's improved defensively. He's improved offensively. He's gone up to 40% from three. Like, he's rebounded. That, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the one because he shot, what, 28% yeah. from, from last year? Like, like 5%, I don't want to even cut you off. 5% would have been a big jump. Like, 13% is just stupid. Like stupid, and it's from it's from your power forward who's also now making the most assists on your team. He also now is the the best volume three point shooter you have. That is the, that's stupid. It it really is stupid. Continue it's your like point. You you can't take anything away from him, and I think that sometimes like anybody who's saying that Julius Randle can't be a top ten MVP guy, it's just a names thing. I think people get caught up in names. Like there's certain names you don't expect to hear in that conversation, or oh, we have to see him do this. For multiple years, no, the hell we don't. This is MVP of this season. This season, Julius Randle is playing phenomenal basketball. The Knicks are playing better. If we finish with a top five seed, I don't understand why he wouldn't be top ten in the MVP race, especially if it's the media that votes because the media said that RJ wasn't top twenty five under twenty five, and that's his second best player. So, what's really the kid? What are we really talking about? What's really the criteria? Um, he's just been phenomenal. He stepped up on both sides of the floor. Uh. Yeah, Randall, he's got MIP in the bag. He, shout out to Jeff Van Gundy for, like, being somebody to say that on that platform. I think it also puts more pressure on voters to have to acknowledge that. Um, but, yeah, MIP for sure, All-NBA for sure, and I believe that he deserves to be in the MVP race. Is he going to win it? No. Like, I mean, And not only not only has he been great, he's played every game except the one where he sat uh, against the Bucks. He's been that guy, and he's been that guy every single night. Like, not a lot of team, not a lot of players can say that. Not a lot, you know, like Joel Embiid is in the MVP race. He's like one of the favorites to win it, and he was out for like three weeks. And that's no knock on Joel Embiid, but it's just like Ju- Julius has been there every single night, giving the team a production, 
you don't even really know what the Knicks look like without Julius because he's always on the floor. Right. And it was 27.7% from three last year from Julius. 40.5% at this moment. That's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The, the full line, because I do want to talk about the ac- the other accolades here too before no. we, we move off Julius, okay? 20, 23.7 points, 10.5 rebounds, 6.1 assists on the season. His shooting line is 46.1, uh, 40 and a half, and then 80% from the line, basically, right? I I would think for him to get the real consideration, and I, and I do think it's a fair, like, bar, is, like, if he could just get the field goal, per- it, which it sounds stupid. I, I'm aware it sounds stupid. But, like, if he was just slightly closer to 50, 40, eight, like, 80 is fine because, he's you know, again, he's a forward. I think we have to keep remembering he's a power forward. That's doing this, but I think if it if it was closer, I think that looked prettier for people to want because everybody loves the 50, 40, 90 stuff. So as close as you can get to that, it it just is what it is. It is what it is, and um, he's he's averaging just about twenty four points, and he's on fire. Can you get that to like twenty five? I think if you get that to twenty five, you know, I don't think the the efficiency matters that much, and then that's like the nice round number everybody likes. So. I think realistically, if you could at least like hit 25, whatever the efficiency is, it is the, the three point percentage can't possibly even tank at this point. Really, you'd have to miss every shot, you know, God forbid. So um, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I think like Sean said, I think the all star, we know that that's the check mark. That's done. Right. Uh, you know, good, good work there. Mission accomplished. Uh, I think most improved player is pretty much in the bag because his other competition was Jeremy Grant and Christian Wood. Right. And again, no disrespect to them, but Jeremy's been hurt now for a little bit in and out. He, and I wouldn't say as ineffective, but he was more on fire to start the year. And the Pistons really still weren't winning a ton of games. And Julius has been on fire various times throughout the year as we've won a lot more. So, again, uh, the all-around stats still go to Julius. So, there's that. Then uh, Christian Wood missed however much time he missed, which was a bunch of it, right? But again, you know, good start to the season. Thanks, but the Rockets are god-awful, and that case is done. You know what I mean? Good, you know, you get, a, you get a, a thumbs up. That's about it. So the award is Julius Randles to me. That that one's done. I think he makes All-NBA. I, I, I don't see how you leave him off All-NBA. I think, I don't know if they're going to give him second team, but I, again, I just don't want to assume that kind of stuff, but I think... You can make the case for second very easily, in my opinion, but I, I think if he lands on third, I'm not going to... That, to me, is the, one of the more... That's like... I, I don't care about MVP. Make sure he's on that one. To me, that's like the most prestigious career thing because like people look at All-Star, definitely, but with that, too, you want to look at, like, well, how many was he All-NBA? Those are like the really elite years that he was playing, for the most part. It's rough, but like getting one of those, to me, is like a really big check mark. and I feel like for where he's at in his career, getting one of those is going to make him like... That's like a big sense of accomplishment. I don't know to me for the players. So I think he could get yeah, it. What about you guys? I, I mean, mean, just off. He, just he's got this. This is just the win streak stats. Seven point two three point attempts per game. He's hitting nine nine uh thirty nine point five percent, shooting eighty four percent from the line, thirty point seven points per game. Like that's serious. And I'm just going through the MVP ladder on NBA.com. There's like a couple names. I mean, let me know. Obviously, at the top is Joker. Then we got Embiid, Doncic, Giannis, Lillard, Kawhi, Harden, Bron, LeBron. 
which uh, <laughs> explain that one to me. Steph Curry, Rudy Gobert. I feel like that's going to be like your first two All NBA teams, no matter what happens. So I think he'll find himself on that third team. He has to because think, like the next guys are all forwards and guards. I don't know. I feel like you know. I heard a couple names on that list. I think that Julius Randle deserves All NBA. Bef- <laughs> yeah, no, say it. I, I mean, I'll say it. He definitely deserves it right now over. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi LeBron Leonard. Just, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, LeBron hasn't played. It's not like, we're not saying LeBron's ass. Obviously, that's stupid. But if you talk, like, I, at some point, these awards have to start reflecting what's actually going on in the league. Like, the Knicks were pretty mm-hmm. much polled to be the bottom 10 team, and they're a top 15 team pretty easily. And he's, like, while, because Kawhi Leonard's up there on the MVP ladder like that, and like I said, these people who, who are in the media who didn't put RJ on the all-rookie team, who didn't say RJ's top 25 and the 25, those things don't matter to me, but it does show their perception. So if that's his second-best player, Kawhi Leonard plays with Paul George, who, beyond all the jokes or whatever, is having one of the best seasons of his entire career. So I just don't really see how his MVP case is not by the definition of the word. Like, I, most valuable player. Kawhi also sets a lot of games out. So it's just like Julius is there every single night, and it's it's his team. He's the guy, and like like you got like we said, when he's off, we stink. Like not like you know like it's a rough night for us if Julius doesn't have it going. So we just yeah I don't like the people have to remove the names. I like like those tweets where people put the stat lines and they say player A and player B. Like I feel like that's how they should make people vote. For certain things, or it's probably stupid, but you know, it should. No, happen. but it's. I feel like it's getting to that point, and another thing that's kind of been like a big problem, mostly with the NBA, is players sitting games, and everyone's talking about like, oh, how do you fix this? Why don't you reward the players who are Iron Man? Because like Jimmy Butler, I love Jimmy, but like he should not be ahead of Julius Randle in MVP discussion, All NBA discussion. It's just is what it is. Kyrie Irving, same exact thing, probably even more so because he's taken extended leaves multiple times. So won't you use this as a way to reward people that are actually showing up and producing the numbers? So it's not like it's a charity award. I mean, we went through the numbers just now. The Knicks have 31 wins. What was their their over under was what, 22 and a half? Yep. Like, Wait, Mike, I have Jimmy Butler ahead of Julius on the MVP. Race? Yeah, so so it has the ten. I think I mentioned the top five. It's Kawhi Leonard six, Harden seven, LeBron eight, Curry nine. Curry should be way up there, but that's another discussion. Rudy Gobert ten. The Jazz are good. I'll give them that. Then you have and five more is Donovan Mitchell, Booker, Kyrie, Jimmy Butler, and Chris Paul. Like Chris Paul having an amazing. I, I would season. just like to pull them aside, and I I would like to make them explain to me. What the case is for Jimmy Butler being over Julius Randle, and I want legitimate answers only. It's his name. Because it's we're ahead of the, it's the name. Yeah, it's disgusting. That's not how this should be. We're ahead of the heat in the standings. Julius is having a much better season, and Jimmy's missed a lot of time. I there's really no reason at all for Jimmy to be ahead of Julius there. That's gross. N- normally for me, it's before you even get into the argument of their comparison i i just start at the time missed that's kind of and i work down from there to me i think that's always the most fair because that's how most of these awards are always judged i felt like normally when we're talking about mvps if a guy plays 82 games in a traditional season you're not going to give the award to somebody who played 56 60 games right like generally because even with the rookie of the year stuff that was the the 
raging debate with Embiid, remember? He played 33, 34 games. He didn't play the full season, but he was wildly impactful. He was nasty, right? Zion, too. Clearly a better a better rookie than Brogdon was. But Brogdon had a good season, played all the all the games every year, and they're like, all right, well, he played. He just played, man. We, we got to give it to Brogdon. And it, it is what it is, but, like, that's that's how it went, and that's how, like, the precedent has been. So, to me, like, that's that's what I always kind of start at. It's like, well, that really gives you the credibility towards the full season or not. So, not that Jimmy's been bad. He's been absolutely terrific since he's been back, if we're being completely honest. It's not a, it's not about that. It, to me, it's more just at that point. They're both playing really high-level basketball. They both play pretty high-level all-around basketball for teams that are 500-ish or have been most of the season or, you know, fighting to get over. So it's like, at that point, to me, you, you just look around and, and you know, I, I think Randall's stat line's more appealing and they have more team success and he's played more games. And I think you always look at the full picture for these awards. Like, and even the All-NBA cases, like, that's how you, you should be making the case-by-case things. Like, I normally think it's, it's pretty simple. I think when we fight about the awards, it's it kind of gets silly when we get bogged down in, like, who's got the better, like, really minute, advanced stat type thing that I always see going on. But I, I usually think it's pretty pretty simple, pretty crystal, uh, crystal clear. So, that's me. I, I, I would have him in top 10 for sure. I don't know where in the top 10, but I, I probably have him hovering 10-ish. It, for, that's why I have him like second, third team. Like to me, that that's right where he is. I I don't know how you can really argue that many more guys have been more impactful and better than him statistically, even because this stat line is very good. Like you can't even scoff at what's happening anymore. Like the the, the assists after they dipped down towards five, they started coming back up, and now they're well, you know, six point one again. So, you know what I mean? It's like I I don't know I don't know what else he would have to do at this point other than like a couple more buckets I mean, a game. Is that is that all that's missing? On national TV. I don't know why, like, he's had good national TV games. And just any other star player doing what he's doing right now for the Knicks, they're on ESPN front page all season. Because how many times have we heard, who's going to save the Knicks? Who's going to do that? He's actually doing it. And I feel like people are just like, I don't know what the proper word is, maybe awestruck? They're just like, wait, Julius Randle's the one doing this? I I do feel that people... And I don't want to downplay it entirely either because I don't think it's super unreasonable because I don't think people are used to seeing somebody take a leap as right. big as he has taken. And I don't think that they especially were expecting it from somebody who's now a seventh year pro. I think that's sort of the thing was when he did it. I think after, you know, normally a certain amount of time goes by and you're like, all right, three, four years, you kind of like this, this guy is who he is, right? Until, until we see otherwise now. And then that's, Kind of the reputation, you know, like even like with a Frank, right? Or a Knox, it's like, all right, well, we've kind of seen them for a couple of years now. Like maybe if they get more playing time, it goes slightly better. But like you more or less know what you're going to get with those guys. So I think even for Randall, it was like, all right, yeah, we, you know, you're going to get offense. You know, he's going to score. You know, he's going to rebound. Okay. He kind of is who he is. He does that for a few years. Kind of confirms that to people. He turns 25 and, and nobody bats an eye and thinks that that's just kind of who he's, he's going to be now. He figured out how to be a semi-effective basketball player. That's it. And for a lot of guys, that's kind of like what happened. So that's why I'm not saying it's not unreasonable. But Julius, he just, you know, he just took like such a a, a big leap. Like I don't know how else to say it. Like a really wildly big leap. And it was at a time when, you know, normally guys don't take leaps this late, this, you know, large. So I, it's a fair, it's a fair thing to 
consider, I would think. But even still, like, he's just so good, man. Just give him his, give him his flowers. I see a lot of accounts starting too. I think I, that's my other thing too. Like, I, I don't want to sit here and be, you know, act like nobody's doing it either. A lot of accounts uh, all over social media, all over Twitter, especially I see, you know, are often tweeting his big stats out when he has a big night. They're they're often saying he's killing it. They're often pointing this stuff out. Uh, you know, maybe we're not used to seeing this so much, but th- this to me is like this is why you're relevant. This is why you're the Knicks. You know, when Julius Randle goes off, it's now getting covered. Like, I, I think we're, we're finally just trying to get used to it again. But I I mean I'm seeing. Seeing some stuff, people got to just like, even the Zion thing getting pulled on the media today. It was just like, we're the we're the Knicks and we're and we're playing well, and Zion looked giddy when you asked him about it. Like it's Zion, RJ's on the team. Like, did anybody expect this to to not get picked up as soon as he smiled when they I mean, asked that, him about and it? He like, also gave. I, feel I mean, like he it gave is, like his, like you know, he was expected to go to the Knicks. I feel like he gave his the speech he was going to give when he got drafted, type of thing. And and if and if you if you look when he starts talking to he's like because I knew he's, you see him like explaining he's like I knew you were gonna ask that so I don't know who he was talking to but it seemed like he was like like they were loading up to ask the question he was like all right man let's just get it over like I know what you're gonna ask type thing and then it comes out and he's like I guessed right and now it's a funny joke like that's kind of what it looked like to me because then he's just trying to like stammering to explain himself after that and he's like okay you know of course New Orleans of course and he's trying to like get serious again. So to me, I it was definitely funny. I I I mean, I watched it a couple of times. It was very obviously it was enjoyable, but of course it's gonna get picked up. Shout out to the one Pelican fan that was in my mentions for like I think fourteen hours, just going at it with Nick fans over this. Like he was taking it so serious. It's because they have nothing better to do. Like I saw a Pelicans fan saying, "Oh yeah, well, you guys were Knicks fans, blah blah blah," and they were like. Brought up the KD Kyrie Zion <laughs> screenshot. It's like, bro, and I'm just like, doing? yo, like, are you really serious? Like, there's no self awareness here. Your superstar literally wore a shirt that said, "That's all, folks. Don't talk to me." <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> that. Wore a shirt that said, "That's all, folks," and left. Like, please don't make jokes at us. And that's the thing. Like, it sucks that you know. Like, I saw Chris Bizarre up there trying to like, oh, Nick fans, here they go again. And it's just like, yo, stop it. That's. It's a joke to us at the end of the day. Like you said, it's funny. Like, Zion won't really be free for, like, another five, six years. Like, okay, it's a prospect possibly down the road. That's cool. That was our—we already were making memes when they were standing next to each other. Like, it was just a—we're not—we are in the thick of a playoff race. Like, we just had back-to-back nationally televised games where Julius Randle was on display during—and amidst, I think, what may be the longest win streak in the NBA against some of the best players in the league, winning— player of the week in the week where Stephen Curry had one of the greatest weeks of his career. And they're talking about how Knicks fans want Zion Williams. And it's like, come on, it's getting nasty. Like, just cover the games, bro. Cover what's going on with the team. The thing was, though, it started out right. Because initially, after the Mavs game, it was a lot of Randall. I was seeing a lot of Randall on the shows, like when I was, you know, flipping through. And I'm seeing uh, when I'm seeing the little clips floating around. And people are talking, obviously, when you have your little national television week like this is what happens and when you show up and play well they're going to talk about it so it seemed like at first he was getting the love and then even after this game like if you want an espn or nba.com it's like you know zion versus randall and you know that's that's headliner stuff right that's what we wanted for him so it seemed and you know like look at the duel they both go off you know randall 34 leads next to another victory six in a row and it's like yeah okay this is nice that's the good stories right and then of course you know later it was probably what a couple hours after that 
And then then the Zion thing, of course, people ran wild. So it stinks, but, you know, viral stuff's going to happen sometimes. And it is what it is, I guess, you know. But again, I think that's uh, why we got to, you know, we have this podcast here so we can ensure that Julius Randle gets his proper credence and that uh, we, we inform the good people about that. I mean, so, if there were, ever was a contra indicator, uh, is it not Chris Broussard? I feel like he's been wrong on just about everything that he could possibly be wrong on. Boom. Oh, yeah, I mean, nobody nobody likes him. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, it's just crazy. But I, I mean, well, once he went to Fox, that was, that was it for me. I don't. That's like the nah, abyss. When he, was it? Yeah, it was him with the DeAndre to Dallas. Like when he made a fool of himself, that was just like, all right, you're done. Like he's made a fool of himself a couple times. Bro, Mark Cuban was like, I'll send you money if you show me that screenshot. And then he just, I forgot what he said. I was just like, bro, you don't got shit. <laughs> like, you're just capping. But. I got one Julius stat for you guys, though, just to hammer this point home before we take a break. Via Stat Muse, who, by the way, shout out to Stat Muse. They've been on the Knicks, I think, like, a couple months now. So, they've been showing love. Ju- Julius Randle's. Quickly love, right. RJ I, love. It's not just me thinking that. I think I even saw a Reggie Bullock graphic once. So, I mean, yeah. that's rare. So, uh, but yeah, per stat news, he is one of three players in NBA history to average 20, 10, and 5 on 40% sh- shooting from three that season. The other two, Larry Legend and Nick Nikola Jokic. I mean, who is, by the way, number one in the MVP discussion. So, that there's a disconnect somewhere, man. That That's... That that's my point, right? Like, it it would be nice if, like, for once, uh, we would get like the hipster bandwagon, you know? Like everyone's just like fucking swooning over Julius Randle, like everybody, all like the white bloggers are just, every, oh my god, Julius Randle, did you see his stats in Raptors? Like, oh my god, did you see his LeBron, bro? The, oh my god, like look look at him, look the Knicks can't stop what like you would think, oh my god, another assist, another. And, you know, you would think there was a little bit more of that. Again, that's why we that's exist. That's why the Nick Wall exists. But, but, but again, like the the names that he's listed with are like two, you know, the most uber efficient playmaker dudes that have ever played so far, right? So, I mean, to be mentioned in company with those guys is uh, it's not accidental. It's not it's not an accidental uh, disclaimer to get him in there. You know what I mean? Like that's you being very efficient and you being a very good playmaker. So much so that that's the list. It's you three. Pretty good, man. Pretty good. As I said, no matter which way you slice it with him this year, like the the shooting points. Otherwise, I mean, it all it's all coming up, Julius. You really blew my mind. I, I haven't really noticed hipsters aren't really showing Randall that much love either. I'm so focused on the national, on the usual talk. But they but they all acknowledge is the thing. You talk to them and they're like, right. yeah, yeah. But yeah, anyone else like Nikola Jokic? When <laughs> Nikola it. Jokic broke onto the scene, these guys need a new pair of shorts by halftime. And where's this love for Randall? Is I mean. I just read the stat, and you see him night in, night out. He's doing some pretty crazy shit. Where's the love? It, like, it doesn't have the cool name, but, like, it's going to happen. And that's what I always say in post-game prosperity, and everybody's, like, saying, oh, they don't say this, or they don't say that. I'm just, like, it, there's going to come a point where they have to. We're the Knicks. So it's, like, now as you see people starting to talk about it a little more, like, you just, you're going to have to respect it. And this, uh, just can't, somebody just tagged me, but the Knicks are... Uh, number nine on the NBA.com power rankings. So top 10. So like the, at that point, that's when the hipsters start, it becomes the cool thing to say. Now the hipsters will start saying it, but I can't remember the last time we were top 10. That's actually insane. 
2012-2013. And this, like, I'll, I'll say this before we head into break, because we could pick it up on the other side. They're six wins away from guaranteeing an over 500 record for the first time since the 2012-2013 season. I'm um, emotional. This is, like, this is, like, crazy. Like, I mean, we'll pick up the other side, but I'm pretty sure the highest total we had for the TKW roundtable, which is usually more optimistic than the average Knicks coverage, I think 30 was the highest number. So maybe a 32 somewhere. But, I mean, we're six wins away from guaranteeing over 500 with a roster that won 20-something games. I'm pretty what sure I had us at like 30. Like I had us over 30 in the round table. I would have had us higher, but I was traumatized from last year. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were year early. It was Fizdale's fault. I'm telling you, David Fizdale's. <laughs> Fizdale made me look what? crazy. Yo, he <laughs> fooled us all, man. He fooled us all. <laughs> now, yeah, I remember Sean's first prediction. I, remember, I forgot the amount of wins. Thirty something. But Sean gave us something wild, and I. And I, and I was like, bro, what? This team fucking stinks. What are you talking about? I was like, this is unbelievable. Where did you come with this prediction? And he's like, he's like, you'll see. And then we didn't because of Fisdale. And then after that, I was like, ah, well, what could have been if we had anyone else coaching our basketball team for a year? But, you know, it is what it is. Because um, we'll pick it back up on the other side. Talk about the, this win streak and, uh, you know, beating uh, KP and Luca in Dallas once again. So we talked about the Pelicans game. We talked about Julius Randle's All-NBA bid in addition to all the other accomplishments he's going to get or already has this season. Uh, this beautiful, beautiful stats. But I want to talk about another game that happened during the winning streak, another national television game. Uh, the the smackdown that ensued in, in Dallas where one Julius Randle rose to the occasion with 44 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. Another Julius Randle master class. I think he was one point away from his career high that he put on Ennis Cantor, uh, as we all famously know from uh, a Hall of Fame level tweet from Julius Randle. But um, R.J. Barrett also rose to the occasion as he has just done more and more frequently this year, uh, You know, being the, the perfect sidekick to Julius. And uh, young R.J. Barrett, in 46 minutes, put up 24 points, uh, eight rebounds, two assists. Um, you know, it was it was your, your classic. Uh, you know, go uh, beat up the X in, in Dallas, I guess. You know, KP at 23, Doncic had 22 and, and 19 assists, which was obviously a, a high number. But the most important stat was that they took the L. So, Sean, what did you like about that game? Because there was plenty to like. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, that game, I really just loved, I loved the way that Julius came out. Like he just, from the jump, he was just on it and it was like, okay, he's, he's here tonight. Like this is going to be, you, you kind of knew it was going to be a 40 point Julius night pretty early. And he had just come off the 30 point game against, uh, he had back to back thirties against, um, the Lakers and the Pelicans, his two former teams. And when he was talking to Clyde, he was like, yeah. And, and when Clyde mentioned, he was like, yeah, now I'm going home. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. And RJ himself said, you know, when they made the schedule, like, they set it up for this, clearly. He's like, you knew he was going to do this. Um, but what I really loved probably even more was in the fourth quarter, like, because RJ played 46 minutes. In the fourth quarter, where Julius got to sit down for a little bit. It was a close game. I can't remember exactly how close. And we pulled away. We created separation. 
because R.J. Barrett took the game over in the fourth quarter on national television. And just seeing him do that, like seeing R.J. be able to really make an impact like that and shift the game in the fourth quarter while Julius is out to be able to be that second guy to step up, you know, that that's what legitimate, le- legitimate second options do. Like they showed they were the best duo on the floor. And, you know, like people, when we traded that guy over there, they were trying to make them highly touted as one of the best duos possibly of all time, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff that we gave. They stole this. Oh, Mark Cuban, how did you, how, how do you feel stealing from the Knicks, blah, 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 all that. So to go in there and have the best duo on the floor is really beautiful. To have to see RJ be able to step up like that in the fourth quarter and take over a game um, was phenomenal. And it was able to, you know, have his ride at home. And then even beyond taking over the game in the fourth, he also hit the dagger over Kristaps, the mid-range jumper, where it was just like, yeah, come come here, tall guy. Sure did. <laughs> right between the and, eyes. <laughs> and he got him in the post earlier in the game. He, I mean, he got swatted a couple RJ times, touches. too. He, he, he did get, I'm not, let's, you know. He's he's still RJ. Sometimes he he gets in and he thinks he got the step and he he did. We've seen that all year too. That's like one I never talk about it. Like just like I never talk about his issues transition passing. I never do. I always that that's the that's the one thing I'm gonna, you know, get myself out right now. I I always I always ignore it. But he always gets in too far sometimes. And then he doesn't know where to go and he throws up the little scoop helplessly and then someone smacks it. It always happens like once a game. It's an awful thing. So he he did get got a couple times in the Dallas game with that. But then, but then he redeemed himself by throwing up that nice little uh, shot on KP because I thought KP was going to get it again, and then he he did not. So it's the resilience, man. It's it's the resilience of RJ Barrett. It's what we talk about. He's a second half player. The stats have indicated this because we've said this since last year. We said it this year, have we not? And 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 once again, this is what he did. So. Not surprised anymore, uh, especially uh, you know, not by the, uh, the the takeover effect he's starting to have on things. But yeah, I mean the dagger on KP was was like a chef's kiss. It was beautiful. So um, you know they got us at MSG. We we got them back. You know it is what it is. We we beat them both times last year too. So like m- most of the time so far, we play the Mavs has been going pretty well for us. So I'm just gonna keep taking that. Uh, you know we, we seem to rise to the occasion for those games at least. At least they know that you know they got to give us that much. Uh, but Good, good game for me. I think my favorite game so far was probably, d- despite, I, I don't, I don't know. It might be the Dallas game. I think it's gotta be the Dallas game, cause I, cause I really like yet. I really like yesterday too. I really did. I, I really like getting to like six, not not just five. You know, four or five wins. Like six is starting to be like, all right, this is. Well, we get to seven, eight wins. Like now we're really onto something. You know what I mean? Like six, six is like when the number starts to get really big to me. I, so. I, I like that. I like the Randall Zion duel. I like the, you know, Zion first game, Zion versus RJ. I, I, there was a lot going on yesterday that I enjoyed. Matinee game. You guys know how much I love a, a good Sunday matinee. I, so it, it was hard, but I think I got to go with Dallas. I, it was just, it, RJ was too good in that one with Randall being like having a career game. It was in Dallas too. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. It's been a good week, man. It's, it's been a good season, but this has been an especially good one. What made it even better was Porzingis clearly struggled, and the Nick that we actually don't hate, Timmy, had a good game. So that was always good. And then Dorian Finney-Smith, I don't know what the hell he was thinking at a certain point. He drove at the rim three times, and three times Nerlens not just blocked him, but he, like, embarrassed him pretty considerably to where, like, the third time Richard Jefferson, like, yelled, yelled. Like, he yelled. That's how fucking hard the block was. 
It's just like, bro, what are you thinking? It's a no-fly zone. It's it's like, do you not read a scouting report? And then Ingram again on Sunday, just trying. And it's like, bro, try that on somebody else. You're not getting that over on, on Noel. He gets people because his timing is so perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, he... Because even if to the untrained eye, like I'm sure the people who aren't watching, like who don't watch Nate games, if I didn't watch every Nate game, I would think those are going to be dunks. But if Nerlens Noel is in the vicinity, I'm like, no, it's never too late. Like it's because he'll get people when they're right at the basket. He times it perfectly. He places his hand perfectly and like just like gets it right out of there before. And it's just like, wow. So, yeah, like guys will be above the rim thinking they got it. And it's like, no, sir. So it's 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 a beautiful thing, like to be able to have that kind of faith in him down the stretch. The Dallas game was huge. It was one of the like, and just because we all wanted it so bad too. Like I think that the Pelicans game, you know, it kind of like shifted how I felt. Because like Kyle said, like when you get to six wins, like when you go, once you get over five, that's where like the whole league has to take notice. Like when you win three or four in a row, it's like okay, you guys are doing pretty well. But when it's like six, seven. You know, that's when you're like, okay, you're like the hottest team in the league right now. Like, what's going on over there? What do they have happening? So that's a beautiful thing. But the Dallas game really was just great because it was prime time. Like, you know, we needed it was a revenge game for sure. Like it was it really sucked to lose him the week before. So to be able to go in there and get that dub, beautiful. It gave me vibes. Do you guys remember a little before Melo got there? It was when Amari called the team out and then they went off went eight games in a row. And the season, it just shifted the whole season. That's just, that's what the, the, Sunday reminded me. There was me. a very specific story, very specific story with that. Do you guys remember that? I can't remember completely. I just mm-hmm. remember, shit. I remember it was Sacramento. Something happened in Sacramento. Bring it back. Like, Amari, my- chucked, um, Amari chucked his sneaker across the room. One of his big whatever size sneakers. He, he was, he had his tirade, yes, but then. The the one like note from the story I believe is that he threw a sneaker across the room in anger, and and from there, we stopped the putrid basketball and merely started to play respectable five hundred level basketball. Shout out to Martin, man. He really does not get enough credit for turning the ship around the first time. And then, as usual, the front office blew it up. But yeah, it gave me those same vibes. And that team, like I said, that's around the same time I felt. Like I was watching a team team. I feel like the Knicks also have the top bench in the league. Like, no matter, like, if if somebody goes down, five other people are coming to help them up. And shout out to Theo Pinson because he's the captain of that bench mob. And it's just, I feel like we're at that place. Remember when the Nets were getting so much credit, which Theo, I think Theo was on that bench too, right? Yeah, so like, he's just, there's something good about it. Reggie tweeted something out that Theo deserves a max, well, long term deal. Why not? I mean, if he's that effect, he clearly affects chemistry in a positive way. Because I mean, night and day with the bench mob. Theo is huge. Like, it's. I remember toward the end of last season when they cut Alonzo Tran and signed Theo Pinson, and I was just like, "What are they doing? Like, what's that for?" But I am one hundred percent glad they made that move. He definitely has a huge impact on the team, the bench mob, like all the camaraderie, like the. Like, everybody plays an integral role in this team, and everybody's playing their role, and it's just really dope to see. Like, you know, like, it, I, 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 I couldn't be happier. This is really the best time we've had as Knicks fans in literally over half a decade. 
Yeah, I I was thinking to myself, and this was a question I, I genuinely wanted to bring up onto the podcast. I I didn't want to talk about it as a certainty all year. Beginning, I don't even want to get this way. This is against everything that I believe in as as a mostly pessimistic Knicks fan, but I think they're almost a lock to make the playoffs. I really do. I, I, I don't think that they're going to be falling that much. I, I don't see it. Like, they, they, they could. Don't get me wrong. The East has been very tight most of the year. It's been a dogfight most of the year. They've been right in the thick of, you know, eight. they haven't really fallen under eight, but they've gotten down to eight, as high as four. I firmly am starting to believe that they're going to be a four to six team. I... I, I think with 15 games, they have a lot of momentum right now with, with the way that uh, Randall's been playing, but also the way RJ's been playing because he's been stepping up a lot more lately. But, you know, Noel's been on fire defensively. Reggie's been on fire in his role. I just, Rose has been big off the bench now that he's been back and healthy. So it's like, it's tough, man. I, I, I don't know. I don't know where they're going to land, but because of that, and I think that they're going to be a playoff team, where would you guys then think the results of the playoffs would go. I'm not saying necessarily which seeds that they would play today, like who they play today. Exactly. We, we got to do a playoff preview, but like, what do you think that you think their floor and kind of cap can be as a, a playoff team here? So Mike, I'm going to lob this one to you to start. Depending on the matchup. I know everyone's writing it off as like, Oh, we got to the playoffs. We're happy to be here. If they run into the right team, like Milwaukee, which is not that good of a playoff team. I, in my opinion, I think if you pack the floor against them, it becomes very problematic for them. I think if you run into them, they'll give them a fight. I don't know if I'd go as far as a series win, but I could see them taking Milwaukee six games easily. I think the only team that would blow them off the map are the Nets, because the Nets will probably be at full strength. So I really think a competitive first round is the floor, and then the ceiling, I think, is second round. I think by then, once you reach the top echelon of the teams, they just don't have enough weapons outside of Randall and we haven't shown Elf really, but in the half court, I think is where he's going to get exposed severely, especially against really good defensive teams because in the half court, it's going to get really ugly where they're just going to do what the heat did and they just leave Elf to himself. So I think that's, so to answer your question, I think a competitive first round series is the floor ceiling is a second round exit. I, I personally would pray that we wouldn't get to the playoffs and still be having the shrunken floor problems. Um, you know, especially after seeing Emmanuel quickly down the stretch yesterday, how poised he was, even though the floater didn't drop, you know, like he just looked like he was ready to be on the floor. Um, so I feel like he should be on the floor more. Uh, and I feel like we're a better team if he is. But, I mean, I, in my opinion, I feel like if we get a four or five seed, that's my target. I, I love that matchup, whether it's, you know, Atlanta, whether it's Boston, I'm with that. If we slip to six and we play Milwaukee in the first round, like Mike said, you know, we can shrink the floor. Like, we are defensively, you know, our defensive game plan is going to be solid. We know that, regardless of who we play. So I feel like teams that allow you to, you know, game plan for something, uh, it could help a little bit. I could see us possibly putting up a fight. We'd put up a fight with anybody, I think, except maybe the Nets. It's, I don't want to see them in the first round for sure. Um, I'd rather not see them at all, but I don't want to see them in the first round. My ideal scenario is we play in the first round. We beat either uh, Boston or Atlanta, and then we get a second-round matchup with the Sixers. And we've played the Sixers pretty close every single time. Um, Tibbs game planning against Ben Simmons and him not being able to shoot could help us a lot. 
And I just think that, you know, you you, may, you never know what could happen. Like, we probably don't win that series, but, I mean, we've been competitive with the Sixers seem every time we've played them, really. So we're playing our best basketball right now, especially after the momentum of winning one playoff series, coming into a second-round series against the Sixers. I'd be pretty confident. Does that mean we're going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals? No, but, like, hey, man. Yeah, yeah, I was – I've gone back and forth on this because there's two thoughts, right? Like, the, the first thought is most of their games this season have sort of been playoffy. They've been very close. They don't they don't play in many blowouts in either direction, right? We're not getting blown out anymore, but we're also not really blowing teams out. We're just kind of winning, just kind of regular a regular moderate amount or usually some pretty close games, right? So it's like – they're certainly tested and experienced enough now, having gone through those situations all year. They've played in a lot of like really high pressure games, you know, really last second games. But the other side of it is like what we often see in, in the playoffs every year is it gets very difficult for a lot of stars. We everybody likes to focus on like there's always one guy who has a bad, you know, a bad playoff, right? But like it just gets more difficult for them in terms of Everybody like your efficiency goes down. It's just it's a, your turnovers are up. It's it's a they're they're keying in on you now in a way that they couldn't do in the regular season because now it's just you and them for you know up to seven games, right? So not to say that you know Julius is going to have some sort of bad series or anything like that, but this is normally when you need to have a lot more offensive firepower to get by. So it's going to be you know RJ is going to have to really step up and perform, which could definitely happen. But then it's also going to be like guys like Rose really got to be on and scoring because, you know, Alfred isn't right. Quickly's got to really show up. You know, he's been, you know, you guys know I love Quickly, but as any rookie, there's going to be ups and downs. He's had a little inconsistency sometimes with his streaky shooting. But again, he's a shooter. He's a young shooter. That is very literally part of the process. And I don't think you can keep a weapon like that on the bench in the playoffs. But again, he's just got to be hitting, right? So it's going to take a lot for them to to get by in the playoffs, even with the defense, I feel like. So I sort of mostly agree. I think obviously they're going to be a first-round team because they're in the first round uh, or will have a first round, right? But, yeah, I, I don't see why not, depending on the matchup, especially if they get into, like, 4-5 territory where you might play the Hawks five, you know, up to seven games. The, the Knicks could beat the Hawks in seven games. Like, not scoffing at them, but, like, that's they're very same-tiered. That They get the Celtics in that same territory, right? Like, there's, there's a lot of teams that they've either beaten or they're sort of on equal footing for this season. So, I really wouldn't be scared then until the second round, depending on who you get. So, but again, it, depending on the draw, when you are kind of in a, a decent playoff position like they are, like, you can make some noise. So, I, I would hope that they can get a, a more optimal seed. But, you know, I think second round is probably where I think their cap is going to be. But it depends on the matchup. Depends on the matchup. They might, they, you might get a good draw in a weird season like this. You might get a good draw and, and get and get a path to the the conference finals. You never know. But you got to take care of business in this pocket. You got to be four, five, six. Do do not, do not fall any further. Do not mess around with the play-ins. Do not leave anything to chance with these buzzsaw matchups that you might get with one and two or whoever. You know what I mean? Just take care of business now. Really play these guys more minutes if you got to. Lock in the seeds. I don't care. Whatever you got to do to get four, like four, five, six right now. That's where my head's at. You do that and like, you really put yourself in a good spot. And they have a very favorable schedule this next week where they can really 
add on to that security blanket and finish above 500, but even move up, I think they could pass the Hawks realistically. They have Charlotte coming up. That's a huge game. They have the Hawks coming up right after that. Raptors, Suns is a tough game. And you got the Bulls and Houston. That, those are a lot of winnable games that, and that's one thing they've been good at. They've beaten teams that they should beat. So this is the time to do that. And if they can do that, you play yourself into matchup with the Hawks. I feel very good going into a series with that where you don't have that one scorer who's used to the playoffs. Because Trey Young, as great as he is, I'd love to see him in a slowed down game because I don't think he's going to be as electric as he is in the regular season where everybody's running up and down the floor. So you start to get to 4-5 territory. Now you're starting to play yourself into second round territory. I would just love to see what the Hawks would do with Julius Randle for seven games. Cry. Or five games. Or he'd have, oh, my. He'd have John Collins in hell. Oh, he put him in the spin hell. cycle. <laughs> hell. But, I, I, you know, I'd be more interested to see what the scheme would be with, like, a Capella there. Because you know that, like, th- that's going to be what they're going to try to do is muck up the paint and then do some sort of extra help with him or, you know, disguise the help. You know what I mean? One of those situations. And mm-hmm. then it's a longer guy. Then, you know, maybe he gives him problems. I, I don't want to speculate too much. Hawks have been pretty good under McMillan. I don't know that I buy them being like a four seed. I think they've just been on fire mostly. As if we, in fairness. But mm-hmm. we shall see. I, but, yeah, I'd love to get the, I'd love to get the Hawks. You can, I'd love to get almost anybody you can give me in a four or five. Like, if we got the four or five seed, I, I'd almost... Doesn't, doesn't doesn't almost matter doesn't matter. I don't want to see Jason I mean, Tatum. I'll speak up here. I do not want to see Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I, I, I don't, but... They don't look. I don't believe in them. They could. They could definitely be. I'm not going to sit here and scoff at it. But like, of all the draws you can get, I could at least go. Okay, you know what? We we can at least go six, seven games here. Like, I I would feel pretty confident. Like, even if we're on, on equal footing, I'd be more scared of them than the Hawks, though. I, I'd give you. That. I'd rather see the Celtics than the Bucks. Really? Not all right. So top three teams you don't want to see for me: Nets. I don't want to see Brooklyn. Yeah, same Nets. Celtics and Miami. Those are the three teams I really don't want to see. The rest I'll live with. Like I really feel confident. Like Giannis yeah, I don't want to deal. I don't want to deal with playoff heat. No, I don't. Playoff heat's a, I don't. They, they, bro, I, they I know like, the Knicks, Knicks and Heat fans have this like weird thing on Twitter going, which I still don't quite understand. I don't know if it's all over the Harold RJ stuff, but whatever, whatever it is, or if it's the Randall Bam All Star stuff. I don't know what it is, but. I don't want to deal with the playoff heat. I, I just don't. Like, that's not something that interests me. I, I know they're going to show up and kick ass in the first round. I want no parts of it. Like, it, it they're going to do the whole, it was, an, it was a big surprise thing, even though we know that they, how well they've been playing the last couple of months. And then I want no part of the heat. I don't know. I'm not afraid of the heat. I, in seven games, not- I think that I think that they got lucky. Like, we played them three times. RJ missed a game-winning layup one time. Mm-hmm. Um... We got robbed by the refs in two of those games, I believe. And Tibbs <laughs> killed us by a lot, leaving Alfred on the floor so that they could double off of him all game. But I feel like in a seven-game series, I mean, just, I, I'd i rather see, like, because you have the heat on your list, but you don't have the Sixers. Yeah. I don't really want the Sixers in the first round. Yeah, me neither. I'm, I just, overall, I'm talking, I don't want to see the Sixers, period. Just, Embiid's just Embiid, man. Like, I just don't want to deal yeah. with it. I don't, I don't want to play teams that play like us but better you know like I, I don't want to play the Sixers because like they, they can be more physical than us because like Embiid and Simmons are bigger and more physical like and even Tobias like that's a that's an annoying team to have to deal with like in, in the half court they're all set they got Al, Al Horford out of the way 
Doc has them playing like basic sensical basketball now, right? With those three guys. It makes plenty of sense. That's why they've been so good this year. I want no parts of those guys in the playoffs. But no, the, the Heat thing, it's not so much being afraid of them. I just, I just think it's a coaching thing, too. I think that's when the coaching that's issues are going to really rear their heads. And for the Heat, most of the time, that's Spo, like MacGyver, figuring out a, a solution for everything, right? He, he's he's what like he people pretend Brad Stevens is. And that's the guy I don't really want to deal with when, like, we're going to be shouting, like, why is Alfred Payton closing this game? Are you kidding me? We're down five. There's a minute and a half left we need quickly. Like, I feel like we're going to be in that situation, you know? And I think that's more when we get to the coaching issues than not. So, like, I don't want to be playing the heat and playing those games. I'd rather be yelling that at another team where we still, like, the regular season here have had chances to win. I just pray he doesn't do that to us in the playoffs, man, like. You can't, some you can't roll it out. Games up from it, but yeah, we, we can't. We can't. We've come this far. There's like 14 games left in the season, so we clearly can't rule it out because we're pretty close to it and it's still happening. But I just hope that something happens over these next couple of weeks to show him, okay, I can't play around like this. I think it's going to take one game in the playoffs and then Thibodeau's going to be like, all right, I can't do this. Especially if you face like the Heat, like the Heat, like Kyle said. I think their biggest asset beyond Bam and Jimmy, obviously, is Spo. I think Spo will find a weakness and will exploit the shit out of it. And in the half court, it's Alfred Payton. And I think that's exactly why I don't want to do that versus other teams. I don't think Atlanta would be smart enough to just leave Elf alone. I don't like. And and the thing is, like, you know, because coaching, coaching issues like that are frustrating in the regular season, but in the playoffs, they become things you never get over. I will never get over that game two against the Celtics where Melo had like 42, 17, and six. Jared fucking Jeffers. And was about to win the game. Was about to win the game, and then we call a timeout. We're down by one, and I'm like, okay, out of this timeout, all we need is offense right now. There is no reason, absolutely no reason, for Jared Jeffries to come out of this timeout and be on the floor. And what happens? We come out of the timeout. Jared Jeffries is on the floor. Melo gets doubled. Throws it to Jared Jeffries on a roll. He has a perfect roll to the basket. He drops the ball off his foot out of bounds. We lose the game. Mellow's 42.17-6 is now not something we can talk about because it was an L. So I really don't want that to happen in the playoffs. This year has been too much fun. I I hate Jared Jeffries. I think today's the anniversary <laughs> of that, actually. Ironically it is. I, is it? Oh. Yeah. I well, think. I saw. Oh, yeah. I saw uh, Matt. Uh, sorry, SNY tweeted about it, but um, that was that was an excellent game. First of all, that that was the one that got me. Where I was like, all right, man, if if they build this team right out around Melo, like, because he was, everybody forgets too. Everybody looks back and was just like, oh man, see, all he was just shooting all the time, whatever. Like, look who was out there on the floor with him in that game, bro. They were mad shorthanded. Like, they had nobody. Like, it wasn't just that they had made the trade or whatever, but I think Chauncey was hurt, right? I'm not lying about Chauncey that. Chauncey was hurt. Chauncey was hurt. Amari, we, we know, was hurt in that game. Amari so you're, pulled a muscle in his back. Pre-game. In layup lines. So, so, there's no, so there's no there's no Tyson Chandler yet, right? He doesn't exist yet on this basketball team. So it was just like, it was like Melo, Anthony Carter, Jared Jeffries going to war. And it's like, so yeah, he went he went nuts, man. But like, that's how a lot of those games were for Melo. So Ronnie that, that was a masterclass. Ronnie he was Turner. so dominant that game. That that was incredible. That was, it really was an incredible it, again masterclass. Like it, it really was. It, it was. And Tony ruined it. He he had a killer mentality. Like you saw him too. Like Melo was just in like all right, lights out, blackout, killer mode. Like I just gotta 
I'm, I'm just shooting like rebound like where he was just active the whole game like it, it was like spidey senses were on it was amazing but you know it is what it is they didn't do him justice they didn't do you know did it i don't know but back to happier you know this team's the best team since 2012 2013 that was a great mellow year let's just uh get the garrett get the jared jeffries taste out of our mouths hey, i can't <laughs> you guys want to know the starting lineup the starting lineup for that game was carmelo anthony Tony Douglas, Tony Douglas Ronnie, Sean Williams. No, no, no. Ron, Sean Williams coming off the bench. My guy, Sean Williams. Landry Fields, two for four that game. Amari, Ronnie Terry F. Bill Walker went 0 for 11 in that game. And Jared Jeffries I, somehow went 5 for 7. I wasn't even angry at Bill Walker, to be honest with you, because I, I knew 11, he was trying. No, I knew he was trying, though, right? Somebody had to try. Like, 0 for 11 was... I, <laughs> Not not ideal, all right. But I wasn't gonna kill him. <laughs> you can't make because one by he accident. was like, he he was the only other offense that we had at the time. Yeah. Like, like that was that was his thing. He was actually a pretty decent like bench, like sort of a plug and play starter type scorer. So I mean, yeah, I, ideally he hits some of those threes, and then we don't, you know, we don't lose that. You know, we don't have the issue. But he, like someone had to shoot. Yeah. Do do we want Anthony? Do we want Anthony Carter to shoot, or do we want Rony Terry off post ups? Like, I mean, we didn't have many options here when Melo wasn't shooting the basketball. Roger Mason was on that team. Shout out Roger Mason. Wow, this team was really wow. bad, man. I don't even know yes. who Derek Brown is. Like, I'm just seeing that name. Like, I can't even put a <laughs> face to his name. It was ridiculous. I, I'm never gonna forgive Mike D'Antoni for not giving Melo that dub. Oh, rough, but better days lie ahead. As we said, the Knicks have, what, five games left on this homestand. Coming up is the Hornets, which is, has some playoff implications. But Sean, you got anything to plug other than post-game prosperities, which seems to just be you yelling for an hour now because there's nothing else to do because it's just straight wins. I told everybody, as long as this win streak lasts, the energy will go up with every single post-game prosperity, and I'm a man of my word, so... I'm, re- I'm recharging my vocal cords, getting ready for tomorrow's dub. You know, just subscribe to the YouTube, tune in. Um, also, RJ Barrett's song on the way. So, you know, be on the lookout for that as well. No doubt. Kyle, anything coming up that folks should be looking for? Um, no, I mean, I, I would just like to take this time on, on a week when Julius Randle and RJ Barrett were lights out. To remind you guys to go to designtree.com slash the Knicks wall and pick up some lucky lefty shirts. Uh, pretty good, man. Uh, one of our better ones of late. Pretty happy about it. And uh, you guys should be too, especially with them playing as good as they are. So pick up a couple of shirts, support the brand. Uh, aside from that, you know, n- nothing crazy. You know, just keep tuning in. Uh, good, uh, good couple weeks here. You know, good to be positive about Knicks basketball, especially in April, because when was the last time we could really do that? Uh, not really in the existence of this podcast. So it's a it's a good time, you know, good fresh start on things. Uh, you know, happy to not be pessimistic and angry on this podcast consistently. It, it's been a nice nice change of pace, you know, really has been. So just want to say that before we even get to the playoffs. So good time so far, and uh, let's get that four seat. Yeah, 100%. Until next time. Adiós.